Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We are a little bit later than usual this week because the embargo for the new film, The Creator, dropped this morning. If you haven't seen my review for The Creator, I quite enjoyed the film. If you want to see everything I had to say, there's a little card in the corner that you can click. But let's get to the box office from this previous weekend. Of course, the hope is that maybe the creator and Saw X and Paw Patrol can inject a little bit of life because we had one of the worst weekends of the year. It was almost the worst weekend of the year. And really nothing's doing that great right now, especially Expendables or Expendables 4, which couldn't even muster a number one finish at the box office. The Nun 2 spends a third week at number one, a 41.2% drop, an $8.5 million weekend total. It's now made about $70 million. This box office run at number one hasn't really been a win for The Nun as much as it's been a loss for everything else. Expendables 4 or Expendables debuts in second place with just over $8 million. A Haunting in Venice drops 55.9%, not what you would want for a sort of adult skewing film. For a $6.3 million weekend total and an overall total of $25.3 million, The Equalizer 3 is in fourth place with a 34.3% drop. A $4.7 million weekend total, its total domestically is now over $80 million. Barbie had an IMAX release this past weekend, which means it only dropped 16.2%, but it didn't significantly spike the box office. $3.2 million for the weekend, a domestic total now over $630 million. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is in sixth place at just over $3 million and a $23.8 million domestic total. The new horror film It Lives Inside was able to muster up a $2.6 million total for the weekend and a seventh place finish, although it was not popular with many moviegoers. Dumb Money expanded into about 600 theaters and had an overall expansion of almost 1,000% in week two. It has a $2.4 million weekend total and an overall domestic total now of $2.7 million. Blue Beetle falls to number nine, a 28.1% drop from last weekend and a $1.8 million total. It's going to struggle, I think, to get to $75 million domestically, not where DC wants to be. And then in perhaps its last week, in the top 10. We've got a lot of new movies coming this weekend. Is Oppenheimer in its 10th week of release, a 22.4% drop, a $1.6 million weekend total, and a domestic total that's now over $320 million. Looking at movies that dropped out of the top 10, we had three after seven weeks. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is now out of the top 10. It's also now streaming on Paramount Plus and available on different digital platforms. Gran Turismo is out of the top 10 after four weeks. And Javon has had a great limited run so far. After two weeks, it is now also out of the top 10. Looking at the movies that lost the most theaters this past weekend, My Bit Fat Greek Wedding 3 dropped about 600 theaters. Its total is still at over 3,000. My guess is you're going to see a lot of theaters lost next weekend as more new releases come out. Gran Turismo dropped 572 theaters. It's now in about 1,630. Bottoms has dropped out of wide release. It dropped 537 theaters with 645 remaining. Blue Beetle drops 433 theaters. Its theater count now below 2,000 at 1,953. And Strays continues to shed theaters. It lost 387, and it's now in just 374.
When we look at this weekend compared to where we were pre-pandemic and then where we've been in the last couple years, you can see just how bad this weekend was. It wasn't just that we were below where the box office has been on average before the pandemic from 2015 through 2019. We are basically at or slightly below where we have been in the last couple of years, which is a very depressed box office. You don't want that black line down there near the red line because we should be getting better. And yet, because some films have been pushed off the schedule and because audience interest just isn't there right now, this is a very bad ending to September. And it wasn't a particularly impressive box office month. You can see the top performing film for the years 2015 through 2019 was the debut of Kingsman the Golden Circle, whereas the top performing film for 2021 and 2022 was the continued run of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Looking outside the domestic marketplace to the international box office, The Nun 2 remains number one internationally at $20.8 million, A Haunting in Venice in second place at $14.7 million, Expendables 4 is in third place at $12.2 million, Dust to Dust from China is in fourth place at $7.5 million, and Oppenheimer is in fifth place at $6.9 million. When you take those international totals, you combine them with the domestic totals, we get our top five films worldwide. And there's not much change on this chart from last week. The Nun 2 remains the number one film in the world at $29.3 million, a 34.2% drop worldwide. A Haunting in Venice drops 43.2% from last weekend for a $21 million worldwide total. Then we have Expendables 4 in third place, an 85.6% increase from last weekend. That's because it was open in a few international markets last weekend, but many more this weekend. $20.3 million, not the best opening for a movie of its size. The Equalizer 3 is in fourth place, dropping 34.6% and a $10.1 million total for the weekend. And Oppenheimer is in fifth place. It drops 33.4% with an $8.5 million total. All right, so let's look at some of these movies that were in the top 10, and we will start with the number one movie in the country, which is The Nun 2. When we look at how it stacks up against the rest of The Conjuring universe, it is now past The Curse of La Llorona and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. The question now is, will it be able to pass Annabelle Comes Home and the first Annabelle to get into that top five? I'm not really sure. I mean, there's not a lot of competition right now, so I guess it could, but it doesn't really seem to be exceptionally popular, so we'll see what The Nun 2 does over the next couple weeks. Looking at it adjusted for inflation, it has passed the curse of La Llorona and is now 8th place domestically when you account for inflation. Let's see if it can pass The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It for 7th place on that list. And looking at The Nun 2 worldwide, it has passed the $200 million mark at the global box office. It has also passed The Curse of La Llorona and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Annabelle Comes Home is about $25 million away, and then it's got about another $50 million if it wants to top the first Annabelle. But it seems very clear that The Nun 2 will not be grossing anywhere near what the original Nun movie did back in 2018 at $363.3 million, the highest grossing film worldwide wide inside the Conjuring universe. The fourth Expendables film really opened soft and it couldn't even get a number one opening domestically. And earlier this year, we talked about John Wick and I called it a staircase franchise because each entry in the John Wick series opened higher than the one before. So it's like climbing the stairs. Well, when you look at the Expendables, it's like falling down the stairs because these are the domestic opening weekends for the Expendables franchise. And you can see that the opening weekend gross has gone down with each 
successive movie. This is not a pattern that you want to see. The first Expendables movie opened at $34.8 million back in 2010. Expendables 2 opened to $28.5 million in 2012. Expendables 3 opened to $15.8 million in 2014. And for some reason, somebody said, well, let's strike while the iron is cold to a franchise that's obviously losing audience interest and opened a movie nine years later. The fourth Expendables film is now easily the lowest opening film in the entire franchise at just over $8 million. And when you look at how these films did domestically, their domestic box office total, again, it's the same thing. The first Expendables film made over $100 million domestically, but just barely. Expendables 2 made $85 million. Expendables 3 made $39.3 million. So a huge drop-off domestically. And it looks like we're going to have another big drop-off for the fourth Expendables film. And I'm sure people would look at this chart and say, well, why in the world... Did they even keep making these movies? Because obviously, domestically, they weren't very popular, and that's because of their worldwide gross. When you look at the Expendables franchise worldwide, the highest grossing film is actually The Expendables 2 from 2012. And for my money, I think The Expendables 2 is the only movie in this franchise that actually achieved what they were going for, or at least what audiences wanted, because it was cheesy, it was fun, you didn't just have cameos from Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, you actually had an action sequence, you had the three of them, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Willis, together, shooting guns and stuff, Chuck Norris is up in there, you got Jean-Claude Van Damme, Expendables 2 was literally the only Expendables movie that I ever wanted to see, it's what the first movie should have been, and there should not have been any more after that. In order to even get close to Expendables 3, Expendables 4 has to make about another $180 million worldwide, and Expendables 3 actually made over 80% of its gross from international markets. So as time went on, that franchise got even more popular internationally. The problem is, the fourth Expendables film is already open in most of its major markets, so it's doubtful that it's even going to get to $100 million worldwide, much less $200 million worldwide. Long story short, this is a dead franchise. It was probably dead before they made a fourth film, but it is definitely dead now. And unless they're going to make the next movie for, you know, 50 bucks and a turkey sandwich, there is no more money to be had in the Expendables franchise. And honestly, they kind of abandoned the whole concept because you didn't really have that legacy lineup of action stars. I just think that this was a very poorly conceived idea from the beginning, and they are not going to be getting away with it at the box office. The two action stars that are anchoring the Expendables franchise and have pretty much since the beginning are Sylvester Stallone and Jason Statham. So where does this disappointing opening rank as far as their filmographies? Well, these are the worst Sylvester Stallone openings in 1,000 theaters or more, which is pretty much how I define a wide release in the modern era. And you can see that the worst Stallone opening came back in 2013 with the film Bullet to the Head. It opened to only $4.5 million. Then we have 2016's animated film Ratchet and Clank, which opened to about $4.8 million. In third place was the 1991 film Oscar, which opened at just over $5 million. Somebody had the brilliant idea to have Sylvester Stallone do a screwball comedy at the height of his action career. Didn't quite work out. In fourth place is the 1987 movie Over the Top, a movie that I will acknowledge is both horrible 
and amazing. It's one of my favorite Sylvester Stallone films. I don't care what you say. And then in fifth place is the 1984 film Rhinestone at $5.4 million. And I know you're probably looking at this chart and saying like, well, wait a minute, Dan, those movies are from a long time ago. What would it look like if we adjusted these figures for inflation? Well, I'm glad you asked because these are the worst Sylvester Stallone openings adjusted for inflation in 1,000 theaters or more. Bullet to the Head is still the worst opening and Ratchet and Clank is still the second worst opening in Stallone's career. But Expendables 4 actually moves up to third when you adjust the figures for inflation at that $8 million total. In fourth place, this is kind of not fair, is Grudge Match. It opened on Christmas Day. It played for two days before its first quote-unquote opening weekend, but that's how the record books work. So Grudge Match is in fourth place technically in the record books. Actually, it deserves to be there for the horrifically photoshopped poster. I mean, yeah, okay, Stallone's head, I can kind of buy that that's his body, but look at De Niro. That God, Anybody could do better than that. Like Somebody signed off on that. That is just one of the most horrific posters of all time. In fifth place for the worst Sloan openings adjusted for inflation is his 2000 remake of Get Carter, which opened to $11.8 million in its wide release opening weekend. So let's look at Jason Statham and see what his worst openings are. First of all, when you look at 1,000 theaters or more, his worst opening ever comes back in 2008 with In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. And with a name like that, how could it not have opened bigger? In second place is Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, which again, just a stellar name there on that movie. No idea why it opened so low. That was actually from earlier this year, back in March, $3.1 million. Then John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, another A-plus name there, from 2001 at $3.8 million. 2008's The Bank Job is in fourth place at $5.9 million. And in fifth place is Homefront. This movie also has an asterisk because it opened on Thanksgiving and played for a day or two before its quote-unquote opening weekend, but it's there because that's how we measure opening box office weekends at $6.9 million. Worth mentioning, the writer of the film, Homefront, that's right, Sylvester Stallone. He infected Jason Statham's five worst openings, even though it's not a movie that he co-stars with Jason Statham in. Now, Statham hasn't been at it quite as long as Stallone has, but he's been at it long enough for his list to also be affected by inflation, so when we adjust his openings for inflation... Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre is actually his worst wide opening in 1,000 theaters or more of all time, followed by In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, then John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, and then, yes, Expendables 4 in fourth place. So Statham, if you adjust for inflation, has had two of his five worst openings ever this year, and then, of course, Meg 2 the Trench, which is not on this list. In fifth place is 2008's The Bank Job at 8.4 million dollars. So really no silver linings with Expendables 4. It was the worst debut in franchise history. It's going to be the lowest gross in franchise history and historically if you adjust the numbers for inflation, it was also one of the worst debuts for the two main action stars. Failure, moving on. One movie that's not a failure is Barbie. Now, this is probably the last time we're going to look at this particular chart. This is Barbie versus other top grocers of the 2020s. And you can see that other than Spider-Man No Way Home, which is that line that goes off the chart, that's just how successful that film was, Barbie held a lead for a very long time on all other films. But now it's very clear that both Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick will finish somewhat ahead of Barbie in their final domestic gross. So Barbie's going to finish 
finished domestically behind both of those films. And let's take a look at Barbie versus the number 10 all-time movie, Jurassic World. Can it be one of the 10 highest grossing films of all time? It is going to be very, very close. You see that Jurassic World still maintains a slight lead and it's getting down into the daily numbers at this point. I don't know if Barbie can do it. I thought that maybe if there was a substantial uptick in business with this IMAX re-release, that maybe it could. But the fact that Barbie is now available for purchase and premium video on demand rental on digital platforms, I don't know how much money is left in the theatrical marketplace. If I were going to predict, I'd say it's close. But I think Jurassic World is going to squeak out that win and hold on to that number 10 spot. But you never know. Barbie could hang around for a little while longer, maybe a boost around the holidays or something, and be able to grab that number 10 spot. Let's look now at the per theater averages for this past weekend. At number one is Farewell My Concubine. This is a 30th anniversary re-release. The original film won the Palme d'Or along with The Piano back in 1993. It was then edited for American release by the head of Miramax at that time, not the only time that the head of Miramax was accused of touching something without permission. It has now been remastered in 4K and is uncut for this 30th anniversary presentation. It made $19,859 in one theater. In second place, also playing in one theater, is the documentary Uncharitable, which is a doc about how to reform charitable organizations. The film was directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, who brought us this film, and also Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. In third place is Creation of the Gods 1, Kingdom of Storms. It opened in 115 theaters and made $7,923 per theater. This film made over $300 million in China earlier this summer. If you were watching the show back then, then you probably remember this name. It's now starting a bit of a run stateside. This is the first in a series of films that will be opening in the years to come. In fourth place, playing in one theater, was a film called What Doesn't Float, an anthology film about New Yorkers from director Luca Balser. And in fifth place is the new film from Adil and Bilal, Rebel, playing in one theater and making $4,000 in that one theater. Again, a testament to the weakness of the wide theatrical slate. No wide releases on the per theater chart this past weekend. Looking at the top films in limited release, this is 1,000 theaters or fewer. Dumb Money expanded, but not to over 1,000 theaters, which means it stays on this chart. It went into 616 theaters for a $2.4 million total. It will continue to expand this upcoming weekend. Javon is in 523 theaters in its third week. It made just under a million dollars. Creation of the Gods 1 Kingdom of Storms, as I mentioned, in 115 theaters, made $931,000. Stop Making Sense, the 40th anniversary re-release of the Talking Heads concert film, played in 264 theaters and made just over 800000 That will also be expanding in the upcoming weeks. And then Camp Hideout, playing in 719 theaters, makes $235,000 in week two, good enough for fifth place here on the list. Of course, many of these limited release films are in the various independent theaters that are scattered around the country and the world, and I like to spotlight one of them on the show most weeks. Sometimes I tend to take a week off. And this week we are looking at the Cape Cinema 
in Dennis, Massachusetts, which has been serving Cape Cod since 1930. The building has always been a movie house, but it looks like a church because it was modeled after a church when it was initially built. It also has a beautiful interior featuring floor-to-ceiling murals from painter Rockwell Kent. I want to see these in person someday. In 1939, the Cape Cinema was chosen as a test market for a little movie called The Wizard of Oz. and was one of the first theaters in the country to show the film, an occasion that it marks every year on August 11th. As of this year, the Cape Cinema is also a 501c3 nonprofit and runs largely independent films. This week, you can catch the film My Sailor, My Love. And next week, the Cape will play John Carney's new film, Flora and Son. They also host special events like Throwback Thursday and Splatter Day, featuring classic horror films. The next Splatter Day feature will be Eaten Alive from director Toby Hooper. You can also catch the Met Opera live at the Cape Cinema if you're a person of culture. You can find the schedule as well as how to donate at capecinema.org. And as a reminder, 10% of the ad revenue from every episode of Charts with Dan that features a nonprofit cinema will go to that cinema. So 10% of today's ad rev will be going to Cape Cinema. If you end up going there to see a movie or you end up making a donation, as always, tell them Dan sent you. Looking at the fall holiday box office for the year so far, so this is everything post-Labor Day until the end of the year, I'm putting any movie on here that made over a million dollars. And so The Nun 2 remains number one. A Haunting in Venice moves up to number two from number three. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 moves down to number three. Javon stays at number four. Expendables 4 debuts at number five. Dumb Money hits the list at number six with $2.7 million. It Lives Inside hits the list at number seven at $2.6 million. At number eight is a non-weekend Fathom event, Route 60, The Biblical Highway, which brought in $1.6 million. And then in ninth place is Stop Making Sense, the re-release of the Talking Heads film. It's made $1.4 million so far and will still continue to count box office for the next couple weeks. Looking at the 2023 domestic box office, no change from last week and really probably no change for a little while. We'll see how the Taylor Swift film does. Barbie's at number one. The Super Mario Brothers movie's at number two. It now has a final domestic gross of $574.9 million. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is final at $381.3 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is final at $358.9 million. Oppenheimer is actually the only other active film on this chart at $321.2 million, but I don't think it's going to take that number four spot from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The Little Mermaid is in sixth place. Its total is now final at $298.1 million, so it couldn't quite get over that $300 million threshold. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number seven. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number eight. Sound of Freedom has finished its domestic run at $183.2 million. And Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has finished finished its domestic run at 174.4 million dollars. Looking at the worldwide box office for the year so far, Barbie is now at 1.42 billion dollars, followed by the Super Mario Brothers movie at 1.36 billion dollars. I don't quite know if Oppenheimer is going to be able to get over that billion dollar mark, but it's close enough at 926.4 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is at number 4 at 845.5 million, followed by Fast X at 714.5 million. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Full River Red, The Wandering Earth 2, The Little Mermaid, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 round out the worldwide top 10.
Before we go, as always, I want to take a look at a weekend from box office history, and we're going to go back 20 years to September 19th through the 21st, 2003, the 38th weekend of the year, which saw the beginning of the Underworld franchise. It debuted with $21.7 million. Didn't have great legs, though. A $51.9 million domestic total. This was the first of five movies. The screenplay was written by Danny McBride, but not that Danny McBride, unless you're thinking of Danny McBride the stuntman, in which case, that is the Danny McBride you're thinking of. In second place is the movie Secondhand Lions, which debuted to $12.1 million, and a final domestic total of $42 million. It's from writer-director Tim McCandless, who also wrote The Iron Giant. This was also, as I stated earlier, my Uncle Bobby's favorite movie of all time. He passed away earlier this year, but I will always think of him when I see this movie. In third place is The Fighting Temptations, which made $11.7 million. This was early in Beyonce's brief foray with live-action movie stardom. It's from director Jonathan Lynn, who also directed Clue and My Cousin Vinny. In fourth place is Robert Rodriguez's Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which closed out his Desperado trilogy. It dropped 53% in week two for an $11 million total, and a total to that point of $40 million. And in fifth place is a film called Cold Creek Manor featuring the very early 2000s duo of Dennis Quaid and Sharon Stone. It also featured Christopher Plummer and a young Kristen Stewart. Of course, you know what we do here on the show. We don't just leave those numbers sitting back there in the history books. We like to hit that inflation button to see what they would look like in today's dollars. And when we hit that inflation button, we see that Underworld opened to an adjusted total of $36.2 million and a final domestic total of $86.7 million. They were just low-budget films. That's why they kept making them. Secondhand Lions opened to an adjusted total of $20.2 million on its way to a $70 million total. The Fighting Temptations is at an adjusted total of $19.6 million and an adjusted final domestic take of just over $50 million. Once Upon a Time in Mexico is adjusted up to $18.3 million and its final take adjusted for inflation was $93.9 million and then Cold Creek Manor at $13.6 million and a final domestic take of $35.6 million. I really think that the box office now, even though none of these movies were huge hits, would take any of these performances based on what we've had recently. And that wraps us out for Charts with Dan this week. Another kind of back-to-formula, bare-bones episode. But hey, it's the fall. That kind of stuff happens. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out the Creator Review, which came out earlier today. And if things go according to how we think they're going to go, then either very soon or perhaps even already, the details on the Writers Guild agreement with the AMPTP should be dropping today, might be dropping today. If it does, or if it already has, then stay tuned right here on the channel because I will be looking at that very deeply to see what did the writers get, what did the producers get, comparing it to what they asked for at every stage of negotiations. I'm very, very curious and anxious to see exactly what they were able to negotiate over these five months. So much still to come this week here on the channel. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.